fellow songwriters, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today I'm going to be talking to my good buddy, Cole Rowland, about how he writes songs. Today's episode is brought to you by my songwriting course, which is called Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting. It's 15 hours of everything that I know about writing songs, everything from writing riffs and transitions to melodies, harmonies, drum parts, vocals, lyrics, and more. You can find out more about that at the link in the description or at howsongsaremade.com. Also, just a quick note that after this stream, the video is going to become private and the video is going to live on the How Songs Are Made YouTube channel. Not this one. And this is also going to be the last episode that's streamed here on the Trey Xavier channel. All the future streams are going to be on the new podcast channel. So uh, if you want to see those when they happen, go and subscribe over there so that you can get notified when those happen. This episode and all past episodes can be heard as audio podcasts everywhere that podcasts are hosted. Or you can find them at HowSongsAreMadePodcast.com. And now... His new single and music video, Echo, is out now everywhere. Please welcome my guest, Cole Rowland. Dude, you didn't stutter or um or... I can't believe it. That was <laughs> unbelievably impressive. Thank you. I was uh, I was reading off of a card, as you could tell, but... Uh, oh, I literally I am, didn't even I, notice. You should, you should have lied. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I thank you. I am also impressed with myself, even though I always read it off of a card uh i still usually botch it somewhere in there so i don't know if it's just because you're here in real life dude well-oiled machine but thank over you here. that was that was flawless oiled is uh how we like it here on the oiled. podcast <laughs> so <laughs> it's great to see you um out of all the things you could have said to make it weird <laughs> you nailed it <laughs> oh yeah the, that's just the beginning yeah, um, let's go. so this is also the first one i've done uh in this room in person um i've done it in the in the other studio uh got so oiled we've got getting oiled uh not not just streaming but oiled stream i mean you want the you know as little friction as possible when you're streaming so oil is the is the jam um (laughs) so this is going great so far man i'm trying to think of the last time i saw you irl was it the also the first time that we met in Uh, at the at the oer thing or have i seen you since then if we have it could have been just a blur at like nam or something following following that but that's the time that we definitely have like hung out for the longest period of time yeah i like uh when i've got somebody on to talk about songwriting that i've actually kind of written a song with it wasn't like quite that exactly but we were on the same piece of original music and we both added something to it so that's at least a place to start off the top of your head can you remember anything about how the song goes yes but only because i have watched watched it a couple times since then um but I I am currently drawing a blank. So uh, it was it was pretty good too. But now 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 my brain just shut down, <laughs> dude. It's on it's on the tip of your tongue. I must can have tell. been a great one. Um, it was, uh, dude, real earworm. I remember the music video so clearly. Oh, us too. walking around like <laughs> mad dogging everyone, but it was fun to do regardless. What year would have that? That would have been two thousand eighteen. 2018, oh 2017. God. It's super long time long ago. ago? Yeah, shit. I swear it was. Either that, yeah. And it was, yeah. Wow, it doesn't feel that long ago. Well, I feel like COVID was just like a giant weird like time warp 
for everything because yes. it, it feels like those couple of years were just a write-off. They don't count. They don't count. No, they don't. I'm extending. I, I'm extending my mid twenties into my thirties <laughs> because of COVID. That's a good way yeah. to do it. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to go to the to the next decade uh, for that one as well. Um, just it's fine. We're you know everybody gets a mulligan of two years. Dude, <laughs> even though we pass. all, even though it aged us more, we're we are less old. No, dude, I'm I'm as youthful as I've ever been. It's true. Well, you look like you're 15. Thank you. you. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, never mind. Any, uh, any any joke I have to add to that is just weird as hell. And um, but whatever. We both look great is the point, and we're having a wonderful Thanks. time. What we're here today to talk about um, is not doing the time warp. Uh, but songwriting and there's oh there's I've got so many good questions for you but mainly what we talk about here really there's just the one question and then everything else is some kind of a follow-up question to that and that question is what is your songwriting process usually like and was it any different for your new single um and anything that you've written surrounding that which is called echo yeah um so so give us the give us the lowdown about how it came about the inception to completion that's a a great question because i feel like it's changed so much over the years so when we first met i hadn't added like lead vocals at least from my position to any of my music at all that's yeah. still i would say in the in the grand scheme of my career it's a very new installment um it's been the last three original singles that that's been part of it mm-hmm. but it always used to be me creating songs to shop out for top line to other people and uh-huh. that i mean that's still a great approach i will still absolutely do that and i do like to also write top line but it's really nice to be able to conceptualize an entire idea now whether it's like starting with piano and vocals or starting with acoustic guitar and vocals making sure that the song really holds up in its in its rawest state mm-hmm. before i dive down the production rabbit hole and uh and that way i know i like it to begin with um so when it comes to when it came to Echo, um, I went in with a topic I knew I wanted to write about, and I knew that I wanted it to be my heaviest original to date. A heavy is such a relative term, depending on what people yeah. are into, mm-hmm. and I don't want to over over promise and under deliver. But for me, it's definitely my my heaviest original song. That's one of those things that uh, every press release from a new band, like from a band about their new it's our heaviest uh, thing, song yet, <laughs> they, they, it's our heaviest and most mature work to date. It both references our older material, but it's also <laughs> But that doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. It's it, like I said, definitely a relative term. And I was really nervous because I went on Nick's uh, Nick Nocturnal's podcast mm-hmm. and talked about this. And I was like, oh, dude, if I say that on here, I might get completely yeah. crapped on. <laughs> so we'll see. But it, it ended up going over really well. And um, to, to get that stamp of approval from from his audience was really cool. Well, that's good. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, because many things pale in comparison to his what he considers to be heavy. Uh, oh, I know. A lot of, lot of terrifying <laughs> deathcore stuff, which I love is awesome. That boy. Um, he's so funny. He's very funny. Cool dude. But yours is definitely heavy compared to what you've put out. I went back through your catalog of original stuff, and, uh, y- you know, y- there's some that's like maybe pop punk esque kind of heavy, and some like more like rock. And this one definitely went a bit further than that. So was there something that, pushed you to go to that level of of heaviness 
instead of like the other way or more poppy or something like that? If I had to, my, my impulse response to that is I just wanted to see if I could do it. Um, and that's kind of been like my motto for a lot of stuff. Anytime I'm going to try something that is uh, quote unquote like career evolutionary at all mm-hmm. um, and it's something a little bit out of my comfort zone, I just tell myself like, hey, let's, let's just see if we can pull this off and, and see what happens. And vocally... I knew with the first two singles when I did Ignite and did Little Lies, like you said, those are much more kind of like poppier, pop punk um, type genre. But then when it comes to um, Echo, I started to gain a lot more confidence with the vocal thing. Mm-hmm. And and just I went for it. It's the first time I've ever screamed in an original song. First time I've really went for like the grittier, edgier vocals. We did the most vocal layers we've ever done and really created the whole, you know, the, the whole wall and atmosphere um, with that which I'm so much more used to doing with guitars. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are kind of known for, obviously on YouTube for doing covers, um, guitar covers of popular songs of all kinds of different stuff, but also like from scratch versions of stuff as well that you've done with a lot of guests. You did every time we touch one of my favorite, one of my favorite covers we've ever done. I mean, that's one of my favorite songs period. No, that, me too. That, like, Definitely my definitely the best EDM song I think ever. Anyway, uh, great shit. I love it. Uh, Electric Callboy just did a cover of it. I gotta listen to that. Wild shit. Anyway, so um, you've learned hundreds and hundreds of songs at this point to do these covers. Of course, to do that, you have to sort of break it down and figure out how a song uh, ticks. And has that informed how you write songs? Like, like what have you taken from that experience? Everything, everything and anything that you can um, from covering songs, especially when it went from and I still I still do this at times is like play a guitar cover or write a guitar arrangement over the master recording. But Mm -hmm. doing full productions and recreating things from the ground up and really adding your own kind of like production spin to it. That is where I learned exponentially because you're starting to you're listening to the the song that you're working on and you're l- listening for all the tiny little like production things, especially with pop music. There's so many tiny like ear candy things that are coming up, um, even for like a couple bars at a time. There's so many little things to pay attention to. And I felt like that helped shape my production style and shape the way that I approach even producing like rock um, and pop punk tracks now. So I have like a little bit of that like pop production flair that I'm applying to those songs. And I think it really elevates it and gives it a a unique sound. I think people assume that it's all drastically different stuff, um, that things that the skills aren't transferable or the musical ideas are so wildly, you know, different that it wouldn't work. But Mm -hmm. I always tell people like, there's only 12 notes. We all get the same 12 notes and pop and metal and rock EDM. It's all basically the same and you can learn something from everything so how did you uh but for for echo how did you start what was the first thing that you came up with for that song and where did it come from with echo we we started with a riff and i think that's because i came in like i mentioned earlier we came into the session i had an idea of what i wanted to write about um lyrically topic wise and then i knew i wanted it to be a heavier track so i was like cool i know guitar riffs that's that's very much in my wheelhouse. Let's start with that. And typically if we're coming in and I don't have like a chord progression to go off of or anything really solid, I'll just have the producer while they're kind of building the session, maybe playing around with like splice samples, things like that to, to spark an idea. I'll just start messing around with riffs and stuff until I get 
until I see a head turn or until I see someone go like, mm. oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, sweet, let's build off of that. Let's make it more solid, layer it up a little bit um, and then start to start to progress into, you know, which cores we're going to work with and then go from with melody from there. So you're uh, working with a producer then uh, most of the time when you're writing or uh, this is actually the first time I worked with a new producer, uh, Jonathan DeLisi. And then okay. I worked with a guy named Zach Jones, who's actually based in L.A. Um, for Little Lies. And other than that, it's been pretty much just me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So these are new, new installments. So that's um, what is what was it like working with a producer instead of working by yourself? Like, what what are the benefits? Um, and yeah, what how did you feel about it as it was happening? One of my favorite things I always like to think about when I bring on someone or hire somebody uh, externally is I feel like I'm kind of going to school when I hire a producers like that or someone that you know specializes in a certain area of the game and I get to like watch their workflow, see how they approach songs, see how, you know, maybe they bring an idea from point A to point B and I always learn something. I always have like a new approach. For example, um, Alex Pearson is, he's in a band called Hands Like Houses, if you've heard of them before. Mm -hmm. And I wrote with him yesterday and he, the way he approached our session was he was very heavy into um, pulling samples from Splice and just layering those up and just like fucking them up and mm -hmm. making them sound totally different than they do out of the box. And that sparked a lot of ideas for the vibe that we wanted to go with the song. That made me think of a topic quite quickly, um, being able to just kind of word vomit into Apple Notes or something like that and, mm -hmm. and get lyrics to start forming. And we got a whole song done in a day. And wow. that's, yeah, that felt very efficient. And, and typically that's, that's how I like to work with those. Um, so for Echo, um, when, do you, did you go in with any idea of what you wanted the song to be about or are you coming up with that on this? Did you have any kind of lyrics pre-written or, um, did it all come out in the session working with the producer? All came out in the session. Um, so with Echo, we got a good chunk. I'd say 70% of the idea was complete by the time the first session was done. Um, and thankfully Jonathan lives in Nashville as well. So I was able to go, Hey, like super close to me. So I would go home, I would cut some more vocals, maybe like refine some ideas and echo was three total sessions together. And then a, a lot of, a lot of homework for me. So I went in knowing what I wanted to write about and it was me coming off of the back of a huge Black Mirror binge, which is like oh, one of, one of my no. favorite shows of all time. Um, I like... I probably recommend it a little too much to people that I know won't like it, but I just like, <laughs> <laughs> I just love the show. It's, it's phenomenal. I love the way that it makes you think it's probably not a show that you should like binge in high amounts. Cause it can give you a little bit of that existential crisis. But. I can only watch one at a time. It's, it's not a show that I like enjoy. It's one of those ones that I feel like I have to watch because it's, it's important. Mm -hmm. Like they're saying important things. Usually when I watch TV, it's to relax, and it, that does the opposite. So I got to be in a particular mood, but oh man, yeah. Because every time you're done, you go like, ah! <laughs> oh yeah. There's some there's some heavy hitters in that. And with Echo, um, like I said, I was kind of coming off the back of a of a little bit of a Black Mirror binge, and I got thinking about how this is a bit of like a could be a massive deep dive topic, but I'm a little bit passionate about the idea of how our phones can kind of be 
like as as efficient as they are they're a huge distraction device obviously that's that's been talked to death but they're a bit of a device that kind of shows you what you want to see because it's it's kind of always it's a bit of that like attention economy concept where it's always trying to draw people in with whatever it is and you can you can go online and essentially through a google search validate like any idea that's in your head it'll always show you what you want to see and i'm like that's kind of dangerous because it's good to be challenged in the way you think it's good to be challenged in the way that you maybe you know believe things so that's what echo was about was getting caught in that kind of chamber of thinking the same way always you know just defaulting to that all the time and i know it's a bit of a bit of a big brain topic but we put it in a song (laughs) yeah (laughs) so when you're developing it after those initial sessions and that those ideas like what's the order that you approach it generally like obviously you've got a riff now you guys are working on on stuff um like the producers throwing in samples and all this are you coming up with the vocal parts as you go or do you wait until the song is sort of structured out to start writing melodies and all that i like to so echo is a bit different than how i've traditionally approached stuff like little lies and ignite we had our chord progression and uh, a strong chorus before we started to build around it so it was chorus first chorus rips cool we'll can we'll we know it's a good idea so with echo it was different because we had a riff we liked and i had a topic i really liked so then from there we went with chords layered that up a little bit just to get the idea a little more solid and then before we deep dove into verses or or layering up production or anything that's like all the the fancy bells and whistles we made sure that we liked the chorus chord progression and the melody so that was the next kind of big thing to check off the box and then after that we were able to dive into the verses and kind of create a uh, a vibe for that yeah have you studied uh composition or songwriting music theory any of that kind of stuff Uh, in a more formal way at all or are you completely self-taught i've never done it in a formal way like going to like uh, going to school for it or anything but i've done it in the most informal ways by i would say like observing pros and like just Mm -hmm. watching how they work watching how they approach things watching how they interact with clients and different bands um i'm a really really big fan of those nail the mix series oh yeah i've done a couple of those that is a like hell of an education for for dirt cheap and i did i did two of them and i made sure it's like you clear clear your schedule for the whole day sit down and like actually do this and there's no way you won't learn something like it's it's so so valuable so it's kind of like a um like a mini internship really is like how else do you get in the room with somebody like that sitting right there you know yeah that's super fun. And then also getting the tracks to be able to mess around with and actually see what they're working with. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're using the same DAW. Um, the first one I did was one one of the ones that Kyle Black did for State Champs because I was mm-hmm. working on like a pop punk song at the time. And I was like, cool, this will be like right up my alley for the sound I want to go for. Um, really, really helpful. But he was using Pro Tools and I work in Logic. So I had to do a lot of kind of, you know, translating between the two Mm -hmm. but i did another one after and i can't remember which one it was but it was all in logic um i learned so much about like groups and uh like sends and like all this stuff parallel compression like all these like 
hyper nerd things that just like really elevate the mix as a as a total and i would not ever call myself a mix engineer there's people i know that can (laughs) mix circles around me but it helps me in an environment to like communicate with someone maybe that i've hired to do something i can like actually i know the terminology i know how to you know convey my ideas a lot better now yeah and these days most people are writing inside of a daw so mm-hmm. being able to be some version of an engineer and understand signal flow and side chaining and whatever else just helps you to be more creative in the moment and get the sound that you're that you're going for. It's not like you, you don't have to be the final mix engineer on the track. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do everything. A lot of people think they got to do everything, but yeah, helps a lot. That was my mentality for a long time and like still is sometimes. Um when it's a project that I'm like really, really particular about, sure, like I'll do the vast majority of it. But with some of these original songs and I want it to be really special and I want to like collaborate with a producer, or like another writer mm-hmm. on it or something, I'm like more than happy to, to bring in other people now. Yeah. Like you said, you kind of just recently started singing on your own material. And what what was the push for that? Like what made you go, I want to be, I, I want it to be me. After working with a lot of really great singers, it's probably a little intimidating to start being like, "No, oh, they're all way better shit. than me." <laughs> I felt like I was get maybe getting like a little too pigeonholed for my own liking about like being the guitar guy when I know all along that I've like been uh, like full producing all all my tracks and like doing. I had done a bunch of original stuff at that point, but my biggest stuff, most prominent, had always been guitar covers, like mm-hmm. my my cover through the fire and flames or whatever's like really popped off on youtube so i really wanted to show people that i'm that i'm always willing to like continually push and continually take risks and uh and do it in a big way and do it in a way that like you know might actually be inspiring to people that are watching and they're like oh man you know like you were um you know you've come really really far in this area of your career and you're still willing to push boundaries that's something about bring me the horizon that always like really like consistently impresses me that same principle where it's like man these guys are these guys are at the top and they continue to you know take these scary ass risks and it's often met with really great feedback and probably feels really rewarding and it did for me too when ignite came out probably one of my favorite releases i've ever done not because it's the best song i've ever written or the the best performing video i've ever done but it was something that was super scary and uh and and felt like a like a natural evolution to to my brand yeah i mean if you think about it it's right there in the name of the band bring me the horizon it's not like bring me some cheetos like That's they could they could just sit back on their laurels and do nothing but they're like always going for the the next thing and like it's funny going back and listening to their early stuff i love it and then listening to the new stuff like for me the new stuff is way better but it's more up my alley but just the fact that they were kind of like all right we did that What's next? They're an amazing band. Yeah. So good. Taking scary risks, especially when the the stakes are, you know, considerably higher. Like, you've put out a lot of stuff that's gotten a lot of of, uh, attention, streams, views, feedback. And it would be easy for you to just just keep putting out covers of of stuff that's you know that people kind of know you for. They feel safe, though. Those feel like safe decisions to me. Exactly. Very safe. But like you've already done that and you I'm sure you'll keep doing it but but this is 
this is where artistic growth happens, right? Like taking those huge risks. So how do you know which songs that you're working on are the one that you're going to use to take that risk? You know what I mean? Like you've, I imagine, written a lot more than just the songs that you've put out. What was it about these singles that, that you were like, all right, this is the one that's worth going out on a limb for? Such a good question, man. Because like I, I think all good, of us. That's the only one that I, that's the last one that I've got. That's good. All the rest are garbage. Okay, cool. So it's all downhill from here, guys. You heard it. You heard it here first. I think what's always something that I I look for is how oh, you know I I kind of have like an inner circle of people that I like to just kind of get get their unbiased reaction on stuff from and. It's not this is this is one of many things that kind of influences decision, but it's definitely one that's like important to me is I like to just kind of gauge an unbiased reaction, set zero expectations for it. And then Mm -hmm. just I don't know, like if if I hear my girlfriend humming it later, Mm. I'm like, oh, that's a good melody. Cool. Maybe I should maybe should roll, roll with that. Or maybe it makes me like feel a certain type of way. Like I, I know a lot of us can relate to the idea of having just a hard drive full of stuff. That's never going to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. I really try my absolute best to finish ideas and, and just like start a song, finish it. Cool. Um, am I going to release it? Yes or no. Next. I just keep them on that conveyor belt and it just keeps the songwriting muscles fresh and, and growing all the time. It's again, one of those things. If you don't use it, you lose it. I feel like it's, Mm-hmm. Yeah, something you got to exercise all the time. So uh, Ignite felt really special because that was the first one I did like front to back on on Twitch. And uh, the the audience felt very like engaged and invested in it. And by the time it came out, it was this whole like, holy shit, like we've watched this <laughs> this thing like grow and evolve. And I know you've done a bunch of stuff like that on, yeah. on live streams, too. And it's it's really sick to get that feedback from people that have been a part of the whole process for it. So there's a little bit of urgency that comes out of doing it in front of people. You're so accountable. It's super accountable. And you wouldn't think like maybe that it would be good because you're like, Oh, this is like kind of my private process and like everything being scrutinized by everyone that's watching. But 98% of the time they're just so stoked to watch it. And, and they very encouraging and, they'll generally be honest with you if it's not working, you know, or something or they'll I've gotten some really solidly good feedback from my oh, me from too. my audience. Yeah, um, me too, for sure. So yeah, and okay, so you did well, you see you streamed the entire process of uh of writing this song are they are they still up there as vod's on your twitch? Do you know? Uh they are unlisted on YouTube for um I used to post those like in the Discord server. Oh, okay. And, yeah. I was just asking because it would be um, pretty sick if after we're talking about this, somebody could go and literally watch your whole process. But no matter what, go and uh, subscribe to Cole on Twitch so that you they can see future processes. Yeah. There's um, actually there's tons of vods of like my most recent projects on there that okay, are like, still on Twitch. I think it's like a 30 day window they stay up. Is that what it is? Okay. I'm not sure. I. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, whatever the default settings are for that are the ones that I've got on okay, there. So sweet. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, right. We're talking about how you decide, uh, yeah. Which ones are going to um, make the cut? Yeah. I mean, it's always, I'm sure there's a lot of different factors, but, but just, yeah, I liked hearing that you've got like a little circle of people who you trust and you, you're asking them about it. Um, do you consult like your, 
manager or pr- like uh, somebody who who'll be like, this is the, you know, chomping on a big cigar. Yeah, this is the one that's gonna make you a millionaire, kid. <laughs> or whatever. My manager is way too British to ever sound like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is the one that's gonna make you a millionaire, son. <laughs> nah, dude. No, he's posh British. He's he oh, sounds fuck. he's so so proper. Um, I'm doing a bad impression of a person I've never met. <laughs> yeah, right, dude, come Cole, on, man. I'm going to have a, ch- a little chat about which one's going to make the best single. There we go. Sorry, We're getting go better. We're getting closer now. Um, I hope no, to meet him soon. His name is Rich, and he's awesome. And uh, he's, he's definitely part of part of my inner circle that I consult on stuff like that. Echo was def like I could. He's never said it, but when we always do like a car test after like our weekly meetings and stuff, and I'll show him what I've been working on. And um, when I showed him Echo, that's when he was like, "Dude, that is." this is this is the one like this is super sick um, and i'm like that's great feedback whereas like i showed other friends little lies and they're like dude this is my favorite song you've ever done and i don't know different different strokes for everyone man like it, it's it's weird uh, i i've always had a bit of like genre add with stuff it's mm-hmm. just like you can probably tell by listening to different eras of my music you can tell oh like cole's really into this band right now or he's always like listen to this type of music oh he's in an edm phase again sick <laughs> like <laughs> chad 2.0 was back that's always kept it fresh and interesting for me and i've always loved to just finish and get projects out as as they're done and it's always cool to look back on how far it's come and mm-hmm. just getting in the habit of of finishing stuff has been kind of like my secret formula and that way you're not sitting on it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of the, the YouTube Model. format. Like yeah. You finish a video, you get it out. You get it up and get it done. You can do it the same day or the next day or whatever. So No, we're all not, we're not all psychos like you, Trey. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It takes me way, way, way too long to finish videos and put them out. But the, the same kind of basic mindset of like, you're done, you know it's good, let's get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the main question is like, You've got something out that you like. Maybe it's a bit different from. I mean, it's it's no like you said, heavier, noticeably different. from Echo's things different for sure that you've put out in the past. Um, has a little bit more of an active rock vibe rather than like kind of a pop punk thing. I think um, that's what I got out of it, anyways. Um, and it and it slaps. You put together a crazy looking music video for it. Uh, somebody spent some time in Unreal Engine for that one. Yes, it, yes, he did. I just downloaded that uh, like a week ago, and I was I saw my entire the rest of my life flash before my eyes. The hundreds of hours that could go into that um, looks great. Thank you. So then you go, then it's the question is like, are you gonna do more of that same basic thing, or are you gonna? Just try something else next. Like, how fast does the ADHD move? <laughs> For me, it's very quick. It's such a good question. No one's ever asked me, and I'm thrilled <laughs> to answer. I like. Um, are you referring to like the format of the video, like how we did the green screen? And no, the- I mean, I mean musically. Sorry. Um, like the next single. So the next one's already ready to go, and I think it's going to come out end of August or early September. Okay. Um, it's called Disappear, and it is much more of like a like radio rock vibe. So still like my voice is like still evolving when you bring singing in like this late into your music (laughs) career you're still you're like i'm literally like finding my sound Mm -hmm. um in front of people with releases so uh, when i when i compare my first like covers that i sounded on it was so it sounded like oh cole's in a huge simple plan phase right now (laughs) and that now it's much more like okay cool like you're starting to to get get the confidence you're really like going for the notes now Mm -hmm. you're not um leaning into like certain vowel sounds that are just like comfortable to sing and yeah. stuff like they try to figure that out a lot more um and i think the confidence 
thing, the more the more that that's built and the, just repeating, getting things finished and, and releasing them, getting feedback, um, that has helped me hone in on the sound a lot more. I'm still going to have genre ADD for the rest of my life. It's just <laughs> it's just who I am. But it keeps yeah. it fresh. It keeps it super interesting. Um, and I'm always excited to, to get feedback from people. It might not be the most traditional and probably the, not the most like beneficial for growth artist direction to like hop around all the time. But I don't know. It keeps it fun for me. It keeps it sustainable and it keeps me loving what I do. So I don't know, man. Madonna did it very effectively. Yeah, shit, man. We can't, we can't all be Madonna though. No, you're doing a great job. Thanks being, for comparing me to being Madonna. Madonna That's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, so I feel the shit out of a lot of this because I didn't start singing until I was 28. And how like old are you now? 70, 76. Tomorrow, tomorrow is my birthday. It's not oh, my dude, birthday. Happy early birthday. Both of those are lies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just turned 39. So I've weirdly now been singing for 10 ish, 10, 11 years. So much of the first part of it is just figuring out what you sound like naturally what you want to sound like mm-hmm. what you're even capable of doing right because you're you're born with the instrument you can't restring it or re you know tune it drop tune it whatever like it it is what it is tell me the, the drop pedal doesn't work for vocals <laughs> <laughs> that's news I mean, to me who's gonna yeah who's gonna stop you is the question there's a certain amount that you can train to change it but there's the the finding and that's what you're that's what it seems like you're talking about the finding the coal definitely sound. don't wait till you have a million subscribers to sing for the first <laughs> time kids don't ever do that it's fucking terrifying i mean luckily you don't suck you sound really good thanks man so it could that could have been the worst that you're like, all right, let's do it. Now it's time of my next evolution as an artist. And you're like, <laughs> and, like and you're just like tone deaf garbage and you can't do it. Like that would that would suck. There was a point in time it did sound like that. It's uh well, it does for everybody, but it, it's it's that it doesn't stay there. But it's like, you know, like uh, I don't know, whatever, like seven years ago or whatever, I started shaving my head, and it would have been a bummer if I had a really lumpy, awful looking head. That's true. You know, you had a great head. Thank you. Yeah, I got I got very lucky, but many people don't. Some people you know? win the genetic you lottery, bro. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> have you uh, said the said the genetic lottery winner, son of a bitch? Um, have you ever seen that episode of Seinfeld where he con- he convinces the guy to stop shaving his head? God, and not then familiar, he, but he uh, he's like. He's like, I did it. I stopped shaving my head. And he's like, well, where's your hair? He's like, no, I'm bald. I found out that I'm b- in, the, in between when I started doing it. And now I went bald. And now I know that I'm bald. Anyway, but... Um, your things are just meant to be. <laughs> Some things are just meant to be. Right. So your voice sounds great. You started singing. Now you have the ability to write songs that you can sing. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Like, Dude, I did sick. the same thing. I wrote songs for the singer of my band to sing. And I got tired of having of like other people singing my songs. And that's why I started doing it. And it's there's an incredible freedom to it. And I always tell people to, like you said, like start learning now. Start trying now, like before you before you've got a million learn subscribers. Sing, learn a little piano, learn yeah. a little acoustic guitar, learn or electric guitar doesn't matter. Yeah. Learn learn those three things like good enough to be dangerous. And you can hold your own in writing sessions. It's yeah. it is so valuable. Dude. I was saying this to my girlfriend on the phone yesterday and I was like, man, I've had such a good trip out here this time and it feels really good to be able to come out here and be able to like hold my, like show up to writing sessions, whether they're last minute, like come in with, with no ideas and be able to like actually stand on my own two feet and be like, 
I can contribute to this confidently. Um, I would have never been able to do that four years ago, three or four years ago. So it's it's awesome to have that capability. Yeah, I think people think I hear this all the time. Oh, nobody wants to hear me sing, man. Like uh, I'm terrible. It's like you don't have to sing on the final product. Like <laughs> just sing to to get some demo ideas down, like uh, to understand melody better, all that sort of thing. Yep, um, got to do the thing. So, how often are you writing music? Do you write every day? Do you uh, do you have any kind of songwriting habits like that, or is it just? Catch as catch can. With everything that I do with the whole kind of brand and how we've tried to ex- expand things like beyond the YouTube realm. And uh, I mean, I do have a, like a small team of people now, thankfully, that I'm working with, but mm-hmm. I do wear a lot of hats. So if <laughs> to, to answer the question, I try and finish like two complete original ideas a month. And okay. that's. I think pretty reasonable with that on top of kind of like the YouTube stuff and yeah. pursuing things outside of just kind of like the YouTube bubble itself um, because those are getting me closer to where I want to be in that realm. It's getting me closer to where I want to be in five to seven years from now. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's the goal. It's just getting in the habit of of writing on a consistent basis. Cause like I said earlier, if you don't use it, you lose it. Like it's, it's, it's a muscle. I, I remember going down such a, uh, you know how a lot of times, um, artists nowadays have to balance like the business side of things and the creative side. And it's, mm-hmm. they're just two opposite sides of your brain. Yep. So I struggle a lot with going so far down like one Avenue that when you come back to the other side of it, it's like, okay, cool. I need like a minute to kind of like catch my bearings with that. Same thing with guitar playing. If I, Am I doing a lot of production and I'm not like playing a lot of hard guitar stuff? It takes me a little while to get back into it and like warm up and stuff again. So good habits are uh, a very important thing. As a obviously also a YouTuber, like we're used to doing everything. Lots of stuff. Like we got to be jack of all trades. And for me that I've kind of got this feeling like I'm capable of doing anything. So then I'm if I want to do something, I just assume that I can. It's and a very good confidence building yeah. thing. Like uh, how many of your videos did you shoot and edit and like I've always loved having videographers. It's just ah. a, it's a way more like enjoyable experience to kind of like share that with someone, but I've I've edited all of them except for the originals okay. for that since forever. Yeah. So you but, but still you did a lot, a lot of them. <laughs> you know, like yeah. and ed, you know, editing. Uh, but exactly, like do like most musicians for years and years could couldn't operate a video camera or ed- editing software. Like it's now it's something you got to do. But yeah, you're doing all of these different things. Songwriting is one is one part of it. I mean, two a month is great. If I'm lucky, I do like very slightly more than that. Yeah, but, they don't all make the cut. But like the point is to just like keep getting better at it um some of my best advice i always give for people whether they're learning the guitar or um taking up singing or anything like that is what got me to be so much better at my instrument was when i got addicted to like making youtube videos and stuff you're recording yourself you're perfecting it on a routine basis and it's like the ultimate practice routine man it just it just there's no way you're not going to get better um you're just repeatedly doing it and then like critiquing cool projects out do on to the next one i'll do something a little more challenging this time or try and add something to it or whatever and you just get like one percent better every time yeah that's the jam yeah the, the those little like 
little motivators to keep going to do it like you get a little bit of feedback and you're mm-hmm. like oh shit and then the feedback is cycle is i never realized how important that was to me mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i thrive off of of getting like feedback from people whether it's constructive or it's or generally good or whatever um it helps it helps nudge you in in the right direction so speaking of the right direction do you have a larger goal for your original music that we a goal Roland, if you will, a goal Roland. <laughs> that you, too much that shit rhymes with my name, man. <laughs> uh, that's rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll try not to. You know, to do a uh, long term, like like you said, five seven years out. Do you think that there will come a time when you're doing entirely or mo- almost entirely original music and not so not so much with the covers and all of that? I mean, are you is that where this is headed? Do you think? I mean, nobody can see the future, but you know. I know, man. I got to borrow that crystal ball you got. In like terms of medium to long-term goals, um, I really want to keep exercising the songwriting chops, um, get into more co-writing sessions that don't even necessarily involve like me releasing stuff under my artist project. Um, that's always a, that's amazing that I have that as an outlet, and it's always going to exist, and I'm going to continue to nurture that. But I have really enjoyed collaborating with other people um you know maybe being part of a co-write that has nothing to do with what i'm gonna release but just being involved and i'd love to get one of those fancy record certifications someday and i have no Mm -hmm. idea it's probably not gonna be one of my songs it's probably gonna be for somebody else and i think that's a pretty realistic goal given the genres that i work in so i'd love that i'd love to do some more of the like pop edm uh live guest things that i've done in the past those Mm -hmm. are some of my absolute favorite live events that I've ever gotten a chance to be a part of. So those are two things that are both outside of the YouTube channel that I'd, I'd love it to It looked more like you in. were having a fantastic time on that Elenium tour. I had the time of my life doing that. That was so much <laughs> I saw some fun. of those pictures and I was like, oh, wow, okay, hello. He plays big shows. <laughs> and there's a lot of fire and there's a lot of places you don't want to stand at certain times. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a, a band tour right now and me and my friend Nate went and saw it a couple weeks ago. It was fucking phenomenal, dude. It was so well put together. That sounds like a hoot. But I guess then, uh, so... Those are, like you said, outside of your YouTube thing. But within YouTube, do you have a plan that you can tell us about, about how you're going to, like, are you going to keep doing a lot of covers like you've been doing, or is it... The plan for the YouTube channel, uh, which has kind of been one one of my mantras for a few years, is I just want to make cool shit. I just want to make cool shit that inspires me. I feel very incredibly fortunate to have a lot of creative freedom, and I've had a lot of repeat viewers that have followed me through many many different phases Mm -hmm. of my genre add and i'm super grateful for those people (laughs) edm phase again Um, (laughs) i mean it's almost like a recurring character on a tv show who isn't there all the time Mm -hmm. you know people coming back and uh and then you're like oh yeah like I remember, and then they're there for a, a small character arc or story arc, and, and then, then they, they make go you away miss that like, guy. Exactly, like, I want to see him again. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's Hello, cool. Newman. Yeah, uh, sorry, the Seinfeld references. I don't even watch that much Seinfeld. Anyway, go Either ahead. Do, yeah, no, I don't know. That. Today it's just it's on the brain. Today's the day I should have watched more Seinfeld so I can keep <laughs> up. But yeah, um, definitely going to be a lot more original stuff for sure. Um, my YouTube channel is always uh, when I when I think about what we've been able to build on there, I always just think of that's my my ultimate portfolio piece. It's my ultimate kind of resume building platform where 
you know, if I want to get the attention of a big artist that I want to maybe perform with someday or an artist that I would love to write with someday or something like that, that's where the the covers on YouTube have, have served an incredibly important purpose yeah. and allowed me to build an audience where people can come and enjoy my original stuff and get more of an insight into what I do outside of playing the guitar. And then to dilute that even further, Twitch has been the best for like just interacting with fans and getting them even more involved in the process and seeing, you know, just a, another inside view into everything that's involved in, in what I do. So yeah, no, no major changes going on. I just want to make cool shit and, yeah. and share it with people. So I know this isn't exactly what the podcast is about, but I am super curious about the music video for Echo and how you did it. Give us just a, a little rundown. Cause oh, yeah. it's super epic and looks high budget is kind of the wrong word, but it's, it's high something. <laughs> it feels very polished. Yeah. Um, there's a big like rehearsal studio in Nashville called Soundcheck. And like anyone from like maybe a local band could rehearse there up to like Paramore. I've been like, there for events around Summer Nam. It is sick. Soundcheck's awesome. Incredible, incredible place to go. And they told me that we needed a like decent sized room to shoot green screen for this. And I booked a room that was literally 10 times too big so <laughs> we were in this fucking huge room and like all those rehearsal spaces are so sick because they have like all the boards set up for you all of the audio is run like the monitors are like from the ceiling like it's, it just sounds incredible in those rooms they're all totally soundproofed and then there's a section for your crew or whatever to just like hang out and relax couches um, beverages whatever um so we had a few extra people come to hang out um, we set up a green screen. I had the drummer and the bassist and myself actually in the video. And then we shot everything on stills on tripod on a green screen. And my boy Dustin went in and um, I think he did an Unreal Engine. Could be totally wrong, but he went it's in. A, and Unreal just, or the uh, the other one, basically. Unity uh, Blender? or something? Blender? It, oh, okay. Maybe? Yeah, Blender. It I could, don't know. I don't know. Shit. I've gone this far down the rabbit hole and I was and I'm scared. Um, this is why I hire the some, professionals. Something man. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like so we <laughs> shot out. I, I will say um, so pro I got a ridiculously sick looking music video for a really good price um, and the process was relatively easy con. I love getting together with my homies for a music video and rocking out together as a band and that feels like we left that shoot with a ton of green screen footage and it was terrifying for me because I was like, I have no idea how this is going to look. It could come out like shit. I don't know. Thankfully, my expectations were pretty low and they were greatly exceeded. Huge dopamine rush. Felt great. <laughs> um, yep. But Dustin did. So what I did is I sent him a bunch of references that Arsh and I found on Pinterest and we just made a mood board for something that was very Blade Runner, Aztecs, like kind of just pokes post apocalyptic fallout mm -hmm. type mm -hmm. vibes um and he went in and he made a bunch of custom scenes in unreal engine and put those all together and then i did a little bit like i i feel bad even like taking any credit for this whatsoever but i did the kind of like transitions like the quick switches the flashes like things like that and just kind of added a little bit of post-production but dustin is the one that spent the the hundreds of hours in yeah. unreal engine just dialing it in so yeah it's awesome that you can that you can do that these days. You can just make it look like a million bucks, and it's 
much, much cheaper and much easier. But you can just kind of imagine something, give it to somebody who can turn it into a, a real environment, mm-hmm. a quote unquote real 3D environment and just plop you into it just like that. Like, I would not have guessed that you did not all perform together. together. Yeah. And I think I kind of missed that. Like, I, I like doing that for videos. So we all shot separately and then you can you put it all together and, you know, it, it looks sick. But I've experienced ups and downs of that because if you're sh- if you're shooting on a budget, you know, you don't whatever, you don't have a ton of time. Sometimes it's hard to shoot all together because having everybody look cool at the same time is much more rare than if you've got like if you're focusing on one person at a time. So if it looks like you're all playing together, that's cool, too. Although if you, you know, walk too far in one direction, you'll walk through your friend. That's <laughs> true. That's ma- majorly me just like nitpicking. Overall, like really good experiences. My first time, I, I would do a video like that again. Um, probably won't do two in a row just to keep things fresh. Um, and probably for the next one, I think we're going to try a little bit something different. We're going to shoot a very like basic performance video. Probably not going to break the bank on that. And then we're going to probably save a lot of our reserves um, for how we choose to market it. And I'm just going to see how that how that goes. Because it seems like really, really epic high production music videos for the average artist right now aren't really, it's not really the meta. I feel a lot of people like the more organic content, so to speak, right now. So Do you know the um, videographer Jacob Owens? Of course. Yeah, big Jacob Owens fan. He recently posted on Instagram a whole thing about that. About I did see he this. Was like he said, unless you're an A-list artist, you should not be making like cinematic music videos. You should focus everything on the short form content. And I was like, huh, okay. Mainly because I just love music videos, and if I want to know more about a band, that's where I go. But it's not necessarily. It's it's probably good advice because it's very where are bands blowing up. TikTok, Reels, short form stuff, you know, more personal. And and also, like you're saying, and and for music videos, like, yeah, these kind of more, like, real ones. Like, you got to market it the way that it's in right now. And, like, as this is just a reality, like, you can have an amazing, sick product. But if nobody's seeing it because it's not being marketed properly, you're probably going to have a bad time. And this, this is speaking from experience. And I had to learn this lesson repeatedly. Jacob Owens has no incentivization to share that advice. Yeah. Like that's that's not necessarily like the best of news for the videography industry. Had a uh, dinner with my friend Lucas last night and he actually said the same thing that Jacob Owens did. And he's like, that's just that's just how I'm like advising people to go now. And he's like, you know, video studios can do that for people. You know, maybe we shoot a um, less expensive music video but we put the rest of your budget into like making different kinds of assets that are actually going to serve you much better right now until that meta changes but yeah and i think it is i think it sucks for me like i hate it only because you know growing up like touring and uh music videos were like to me the the sort of marker of a band that was successful right that was the goal that's yep. the thing i know it's always been my favorite stuff too and now the it, the whole thing is f- completely flipped it it's is. like oh god like wait no they moved the target just you wait know? till we're all living in the metaverse tray we could be uh, right now we might be there right now yeah, we yeah. wouldn't even know <laughs> oh god this is an episode of black mirror yeah, I um, love it but regardless like the marketing thing is is incredibly important because there is 
just so much noise to cut through. You know, who, like, who, uh, going like, on TikToks, like trying to drink out of a fire hose, man. Yeah. There's way too much shit. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, there's only so many rabbit holes you can go down, you know, and you want to be somebody's rabbit hole that they're going down. Let me be your rabbit hole. Let me be your rabbit camera. hole. Yeah. <laughs> let me be your rabbit hole. New single, Cole, Cole and Trey drop in. You can have that one. <laughs> let me be. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam. Like rabbits, yeah. Um, no, we're not we're not doing that. Um, so I guess then my question, um, also inspired by us talking to the chat, what's your best advice for people who want to be writing songs now? Like, should they be focusing on writing songs for other people? Should they be writing for themselves as an artist? How do you break in to any of that? My first kind of to answer your question with a question is it depends. Like I would say like if someone came to me one-on-one and asked that, I'd ask like, what's your goals? Like, what are your goals? What would you like to get out of this? And then my first impulse piece, my hot take advice is do what is the most fun for you and the most enjoyable. And like I've, I've talked about my genre ADD to death on, mm-hmm. on this podcast, but that's what's been enjoyable to me. That's why I'm still making music like 13, 14 years into this and just still having a good time doing it is like, it's hard to compete with someone who's having a good time. They don't burn out that Ooh. bad. Yeah, they're, they're going to have way more steam. That's a clip. This is going to be a clip. Good. Yeah, it's hard to compete with that. So that's that's my best advice. Um, I would say do what interests you. Um, that's the same advice. Um, even when to dilute that question a little more, like someone that's like learning the guitar, they're like, um, you know, I'm having I'm having a hard time sticking with it because it's hard. Um, and I'm like, cool. Uh, what bands do you like? What music are you into? Like, what are these songs that you'd want to learn? Learn stuff that you like. You're way more likely to stick with it. And the seeing progress is so addicting, man. Like that's why YouTube was so addicting to me. It felt like this gamified experience. Um, going to the gym and seeing progress is addicting. Like it's just like like in any any way. That's also why video games are so addicting. It's the yep. same psychological thing. So yeah, that's my best advice. Do stuff you like. That's it's gonna be way better. Bangerang. Oh. You cut me deep in a really good way. I love that. How do you personally relate to that? Hard to compete with someone who's having a good time. Well, lately I've been a little bit bummed about the performance of a lot of things that I've done. I'd put out a video about the concept of failure. And the takeaway at the end was kind of the same thing, which was that you can always come back to the process because the process is incredibly enjoyable and nobody can ever take that away from you. And that's what you spend the most time doing. Exactly. But I don't know. I, I guess uh, hearing the same general idea from somebody else, because you'll you'll have longevity if you're enjoying it. And longevity is what's going to bring you the most success in the end, because people who do it but don't love it as much as you, don't care as much, they'll eventually stop and you'll still be there. You're building something and it takes a lot of time to do that. So if you're enjoying it, you will have success because you'll stick around. You'll do it for longer. You'll you'll do it. It'll be as it'll long be as you great. don't suck. As long as you don't suck. That's a prerequisite. I'm just joking about Shit. that. <laughs> Dude, it's it's super true though, and I think that's why um, it can be a bit of a dangerous situation when people go super viral on something mm-hmm. really early on, and you don't know how to kind of acclimate to that, or you don't know how to follow it up. That can also be a super daunting thing. Bands that have their first record absolutely smash. That's notorious for the sophomore album being a very 
um it's scary it's scary it's like how are you gonna top that um it's kind of like the go-to uh the go-to sentence about it i guess because if you always have to top yourself then it like and you start and if you started uh, with something big Mm -hmm. like your first album being hybrid theory (laughs) (laughs) or uh What's the fir- the first Evanescence one? Uh, Fallen. Fallen. Yeah, like where are you gonna go from there? Dude, David Hodges, uh, the guy that wrote that record with them, lives in Nashville, and he is like absolutely killing it as a writer. So that album came out oh, two decades ago, like, yeah, like twenty-ish years ago, and he's writing with people like Ed Sheeran now and like doing big stuff and it's cool it's cool to see like that album was such a huge commercial success and he has figured out ways to just continue to add value and be very very desirable person to work with so speaking of working with people i don't get a lot of people in here who are going about it the way that you do working with different producers you know like going in and doing uh writing sessions which is how like a huge section of the uh, music industry operates is like doing these collabs sort of like, yeah, going in, doing a, a day with this guy, with this person uh, left and right. Um, so I want to ask you about like how to operate in that kind of situation. Like, is there any kind of advice you have for people once they get in, get in there and they've, they've got somebody like, yeah, man, come by. We'll, uh, we'll throw some ideas together. That's a little intimidating to me personally. Let's say you're going to tell me, how to not blow it. Mm, what's get, what freaks you out about it? The idea that I will not be able to generate anything that is cool enough for somebody to want to keep working with me, I guess. And that I will say or do something dumb. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm, it's not going to stop me from doing it if I get the chance. Good. Let's get you out of your head. <laughs> no question. Um, no, so, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm just, you know, let's uh, keep me from doing that. Cool. So if I was going to give you any advice because i actually have been in the same boat in the past and that's why i asked you i was like what freaks you out about it yeah kind of similar to me i was always afraid of like over promise under deliver or like have maybe my manager like talks me up and like get, <laughs> gets gets like a friend favor and gets me in like a, a good room with someone or whatever and i show up and i just like don't pull my weight what has really helped me with that is we've been intentionally booking me a lot of smaller sessions where I go in and maybe there's, maybe there's an idea, maybe there's not, but we always figure it out and we always get something done. And that gives me more confidence that, so that when the bigger things do come along, I know that I know what I'm doing to a certain degree. I'm not by any means, even close to the top of like what some of these people operate at, but I have enough confidence knowing that, I can contribute ideas that people like, or I can contribute ideas that get used in one capacity or another. Um, I'm getting better and better at keeping the momentum of a writing session going forward, keeping people engaged, um, getting better at like providing constructive feedback, things like that. So it's just one of those things that the more you do it and the more you have experiences with it, like I've had, I've had rights that like didn't go well, but not in necessarily a bad way in the way that like, maybe there was nothing that came out of it or something like that. Like I, I don't know, but you always, every single time you do it, as you keep doing it, you keep learning new stuff. And it's like the same thing as that YouTube model, like make a video, put it out and then keep going forward. So it's kind of like in a 40 year old virgin where he's like, no man, you got to knock out like 40, 50 hood rats before you (laughs) go and do the real thing. (laughs) Yeah, dude, literally that. that. Those are rookie numbers. 
Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> That's good because I've written a lot of songs by myself. I know that I can do it. I know that they're good. Uh, there's no reason for me to believe that it wouldn't be. I've written with other people before. Hey, but, you know what you're doing, but man. I, I guess I think that I think of like uh, you know a producer's like somebody who's killing it, crushing it, and then I'm like, hey. <laughs> that's cool though that's good to, that's really good to hear i mean um i think i'm asking about it because i really want to do it i really want to i want to try that out that way of writing and going about it like collaborative writing for me has always been hard because i'm so used to just sitting here by myself control freak doing everything i want um but that's not how you grow mm. it's there you can always learn something from everyone and it's good to it's good to be able to work alone like dude you have all the skills to do that if you need to get the job done you know how to do everything and then bring other people in because you always learn something and maybe you'd make something you never would have thought of and that's like a good way that i always think about it like i said earlier i feel like i'm going to school when i bring other people in yeah new shit do you have some people on your dream list that you'd like to work with that mm-hmm. you think might be uh within your grasp definitely rather than there's one that's super super close so I don't want to say it because I'll absolutely jinx it. Um, <laughs> okay. But if it does happen, you'll be the you'll be the first to know. There's a friend of a friend of mine, um, and he's a really well established producer in town. His name's Andrew Goldstein, um, and he does a lot of stuff in like I think anything from like pop, pop punk, rock. Like he's he's his credits are incredible, um, and I would love to work on a song with him. He's done some of my favorite. Rec- he did he did a lot of stuff for bands that were on Field by Ramen. Uh, years ago okay. so he was he was one of their go-to producers and he's done stuff that's very successful in the pop space and he's done a couple of records for like lady gaga and stuff and so this guy is he's a weapon yeah. and i would love to i would <laughs> love to even if i wasn't necessarily working just watch someone like that for a day or like yeah come and just shadow them for a couple of days and just see how they approach stuff you would learn a ton um that would be awesome uh, there's another guy in town, uh, Kevin Thrasher, who does a lot of the like new wave pop punk stuff. He did a bunch of stuff on like the new Avril Lavigne record with John Feldman as well. Mm-hmm. And that would be really cool. Just, yeah, people that seem like they're awesome to hang out with and make awesome shit. And yeah, that seems like a recipe for success. So people who are enjoying themselves, it's people who are having fun. It's hard to compete with that. That's going to be on a loop in my brain for the rest of the day. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, well, I think uh, that's a pretty good place to call it for the day. Um, yeah, I've gotten great. a lot out of this. Honestly, dude, Like, I mean, I say this at basically the end of every episode, but I do these for myself because all I want to do is like learn how to get better at it and get everyone's different approach and, and mindset about how they go about it. Um, and I always get so much out of these so i really appreciate you coming by and taking the time um it's also nice to see you i haven't seen you thanks for having me man hell yeah why don't you go ahead and tell the this is your pitch moment tell the folks at home well whatever you like what's uh (laughs) what's What's going on what they where they can find you all that stuff all right i'm cole Rowland. thank you guys for hanging out with us today uh go watch my new single echo or go stream it it's on all the platforms add it to your playlist if you like it I think that's kind of the main thing. Follow me because I've got a new uh, single called Disappear coming out shortly that I think you guys will love. And takeaway advice from this is get in the habit of doing whatever it is you want to do and doing it consistently and, and putting in that work and you will get better. I promise. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Thank you so much to Cole for coming out today. Uh, thank you all for listening and watching. If you weren't already aware, there is... 
a still pretty new How Songs Are Made podcast YouTube channel. They changed up the the way that YouTube handles work and stuff. So now it's like youtube.com slash at how songs are made podcast if you're listening to this in the audio form uh which you can do on all streaming platforms everywhere that podcasts are found or at how songs are made podcast.com and if you haven't subscribed to the new youtube channel and you want to see these streams they're streamed live um and then they exist as edited uh, final videos on the channel as well then you're definitely going to want to do that because all of these streams henceforth will be there and not on the Trey Xavier channel. So that's the spot. That's the hot spot to be for all of this. I love doing these. Um, I This is now, I think, so this is uh, season two, episode five, but I think that puts us uh, at over 35 or 36 episodes that you can find to listen to. Um, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, this is brought to you today by my songwriting course, which is called Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting. If you want to improve at songwriting, it's 15 hours of everything that I know about writing songs. You can find more about that at the link in the description or at howsongsaremade.com. And uh, y'all have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and I will catch you on the Felipe Aflapi. Bye!